0: I feel ill-qualified to talk about rest. I do not feel qualified to talk about taking time for myself, time uh, to focus on God like I should. Uh, I I feel like all of us in here could probably say the same thing, that we do not rest the way we should. Uh, Last week, uh, Josh introduced the topic of rest We talked about the Ten Commandments last week. The fourth commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It goes on to talk more about the Sabbath after that. It's interesting that that fourth commandment is longer by itself than commandments five through ten combined. Uh, more, More words are used in that commandment. Uh, than in the following uh, commandments. Uh, Josh also talked last week a little bit about creation. About God creating and on the seventh day he rested. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Now, Those are a couple of verses that might be a little bit controversial when we start talking about rest. First, you've got the Ten Commandments. And you may be thinking, oh, well, okay, those are the Ten Commandments. That's the Old Testament. But didn't Jesus fulfill the law? Didn't Jesus fulfill the Ten Commandments? Didn't Jesus bring in the New Covenant and fulfill the Old Covenant? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to imagine a box right here. Take that question and put it in this box because that is a great question that we need to talk about sometime, but we don't have time to talk about it tonight. The second one, on day seven of creation, God rested. Similarly, there are questions about that. Was it really seven 24-hour days? Was it... Is that exactly how it happened? Is, is, is that really how it happened? Did evolution play a part in it. Those are some questions that are good questions that need to be talked about sometime. But again, no time tonight. Put that in the little box over here. I'm sure one day we'll open that box up and we'll discuss those questions. 3 days ago, 4 nights ago, I guess was New Year's Eve. We brought in a new year. I have a question for you. How many of you made resolutions for this new year, raise your hand. Not a whole lot, a few. Did anybody make one that they would like to share with us? I would share mine, but I didn't make one, so. Nobody wants to share one. Okay, that worked out well. Let me just ask you this, though, you don't have to share your resolution. Did anybody make one that you've already broken? No? Okay. All right. Resolutions. Um, what do you think is the most popular New Year's resolution? Lose weight. Lose weight, Lose weight working out, eating better, some combination uh, of that. Uh, some other popular New Year's resolutions, getting organized, spending less, or saving more. I like this one, I've never thought of it before, supporting local businesses. Um, that's a that's a good resolution. This one I've heard of before. Uh, it, sounds a little out there to me. Doing one thing every day that scares you. Um, I've heard of that as a way to stay alive. One thing a day that scares you sounds like a lot to me. Maybe one a week, one a month, one a year maybe. I could handle one of those. Uh, one thing every day, I'm not sure I could handle. I was a little surprised we didn't see more hands raised that made resolutions so when, I, when I did research on this. of the population in the United States, of the adult population, typically make New Year's resolutions. Another 17% infrequently make resolutions, so that's 62% that at one time or another make New Year's resolutions. Uh, How many, what do you think the percentage of people that are successful in those resolutions are? 5, 20, 2, 10, you're hitting all around it, 8%. Uh, so I've thought about the times in the past that I've made resolutions, and I think eight percent sounds about right. <laughs> I, about one out of every eleven or twelve I might I might make. You know, I've made the resolutions before to lose weight, um, to start working out more, to stop drinking the nectar of the gods, Dr. Pepper. Um, <laughs> that one was actually one that I was successful on. Um, I I that was one that was really the only one that I can remember that I was successful uh, was not drinking Dr. Pepper. Let's just say I had a small problem of drinking about 10 cans of Dr. Pepper a day. Oh uh, Yeah. Uh, I counted it up the other day, it might not have been 10, but on the way to work, when I got to work, morning break, lunch, afternoon break, on the way home with supper, before bed, And then you know, if I went somewhere for lunch or supper, there's another at least one or two more in there. So uh, a minimum of eight a day. So I figured that that was a problem, and that year I made a a resolution to stop doing that, and it was successful. I've even tried doing things such as saying, "Okay, resolutions are made to be broken. So this year I'm going to call them goals, and I'm going to make goals if I want to do this or I want to, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to whatever the case is." Changing the wording didn't really didn't really help much either, as you would expect. There are a few things that I think, it's too late to make a New Year's resolution maybe, but a few things that would be good for us to do in this New Year. Now this time, we talked about two years ago when we started this church in the Millwoods House. Uh, last year at this time, we, we had a short sermon series on spiritual disciplines. And we talked about, I believe, six disciplines. We talked about fasting, we talked about study, we talked about solitude, we talked about prayer, we talked about simplicity, and we talked about worship. Now let me pause here for a second and answer the question, why are these called disciplines? To me, when I hear the word discipline, I, it automatically uh, sets me down the wrong path because I think, oh, Caden's done something again and I've got to go disciplining. Or Jackson's whining again, we've got to do something to stop this whining. Or Tobias is doing something that he does not need to do, so we've got to go stop that. We've got to discipline them. Uh, that's not really what we mean by discipline here, though. Uh, there was a golfer uh, still is a golfer, he's not dead, uh, <laughs> named Gary Player. He's, he's known as one of the best golfers of all time. Uh, older guy, he's probably um, in his 80s, late 80s, I would say now. Um, so, only a few of us, Pam and Robin, might remember him. <laughs> Laura, you too. Uh, Gary Player, he won 24 PGA Championships, he won nine major championships, which ties him for fourth all time. He was asked one time or he was told one time i'd give anything if I could hit a golf ball like you hit it." And his response was, "No, you wouldn't. You'd give anything to hit a golf ball like me if it were easy. You've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning, go out and hit a thousand golf balls, walk up to the clubhouse, and put a bandage on your hands." where it started bleeding, then go out and hit another 1,000 golf balls. That's what it takes to hit a golf ball like me. Gary Player had discipline when it comes to golf. He would hit a 1,000 golf balls, go take care of his his messed up hands, go out and hit another 1,000 golf balls. He was disciplined when it came to playing golf. I do wanna say this list of six isn't an exhaustive list. You're not gonna, if you, I should have done this. If you Google spiritual disciplines, you'll probably find like one trillion billion different results of pages that have lists of spiritual disciplines. This isn't an exhaustive list, but this is the list uh, that we looked at this time last year. I found something interesting when I was thinking about this list and thinking about rest. When you look at the first five of these disciplines, Look at the first five of these disciplines. All five of those have to do with slowing down. Something that we're not used to doing. Fasting, study, solitude, prayer, simplicity. It all has to do with slowing down. Now we're talking about rest and we're talking about Sabbath. So worship doesn't necessarily, it can have to do with slowing down, but not necessarily. But worship is associated with what we traditionally think of as the Sabbath or coming to church on the Sabbath and worshiping. The first five all relate to slowing down and worship. We typically do on the Sabbath day. Now Jesus modeled these spiritual disciplines for us. In Luke chapter five, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So you see solitude and prayer there. Matthew chapter four, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. I would think so. Um, They're obviously fasting. Matthew chapter 14, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. Prayer and solitude once again. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God in prayer, solitude. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So there he's talking about solitude, he's talking about getting away and resting. So I would say to add to our list of six here, Let's add rest as a spiritual discipline, or taking a Sabbath as a spiritual discipline. The first question when you talk about rest as a spiritual discipline is, why do we need to do it? Why do we need rest? How many of you love the NFL, football? Anybody? Susie, I can't see your hand, but I know it should be up. We love watching football. Uh, We, not my wife, but my my kids and I love watching football at the house. Um, We don't get to watch a lot on Sunday afternoons, um, but we always get at least part of the first game. And the boys, typically it's, you know, if it's something like the Panthers playing the, I don't know, Texans, they would say, oh, I like Big cats, so I'm going to go with the Panthers. Usually, uh, if there's a cat team playing, that's who they want to win. Uh, there are a couple of other. Uh, the Cowboys, they would want the Cowboys to win. Um, I've read Drew Brees' book to them, so the Saints would be up high on their list of who they'd want to win. But we love watching football. We love what we see on the field on Sundays. But what you see on the field on Sundays, you miss what happens throughout the week. Let me name... Um, some things that you miss that happens throughout the week. You miss the daily meetings. You miss weightlifting. You, you, missed, you miss practices. Uh, you miss video study. And you miss one very important thing that we may not think about. You miss rest. Now I'm not saying that any of you have physiques like an NFL football player, lineman, but I'm not really comparing us to NFL players, but you see that even finely conditioned athletes like them, we could talk about running, we could talk about basketball, we could talk about anything. They can't just go and go and go and go and go and go. They need rest. Tuesdays, um, typically for NFL players, is their rest day, where they're not working out, they're not having practice, they're resting. Uh, So physically, we need rest Dr. Matthew Edland, who is the director of the Center for Circadian Medicine, also known as The Sleep Doctor, something tells me he gave himself that name, says, many of us are so busy, we see rest as a weakness, a waste of precious time. But rest is, in fact, a biological need. All science shows we need to rest to live, just like we need food. So we need to rest. Why rest, the answer, one of the answers to that is physically we need that rest. Why do we need rest? Because if we don't rest, if we're always so busy, we might miss things. An old Jewish Sabbath prayer starts with days pass and the years vanish and we walk sightless among miracles. You know, I think that's, Josh and I kind of reflecting back over the last two years, if we don't stop and do that, we forget about the things that have happened. Uh, if we don't stop and think about where we began in the Millwood's house and, and the nights that we had over there, we forget about them. We don't stop and rest and reflect. Days pass and the years vanish, and we walk sightless among miracles. or. A little bit more modern version of that. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Bueller, Bueller, no one? Josh got it. If we're always on the go, if we're never resting, if we're never stopping, we're gonna miss things. I feel like I miss things all the time uh, and it's too late. I used to work at Sears. I worked there for two and a half years. And I missed maybe one or two of my boys' soccer and our baseball games uh, because of the job working on weekends and not being able to arrange my schedule. And that was one of the things that I, I told my boss there about eight months ago. I said, by next spring or this coming spring, I wouldn't be working there because I felt like I was missing things. Now that doesn't necessarily have to do with rest, but you see the correlation there. If we're so busy doing other things, taking up our time with other things, we miss things. Um, if we don't stop, we don't look, we miss things. Another reason that we need rest is spiritual benefits. Um, rest or the Sabbath is not primarily about us or how it benefits us. It's about God and how God forms us. It's not in the first place about what we do or don't do. It is about God completing and resting and blessing and sanctifying. These are all things that we don't know much about, but it does mean stopping and being quiet long enough to see open-mouthed with wonder, resurrection wonder. We cultivate the fear of the Lord. Our souls are formed by what we cannot work up or take charge of. We respond and enter to what the resurrection of Jesus continues to do. That's Eugene Peterson. That part of that quote being quiet long enough to see open-mouthed with wonder resurrection wonder so often we're so busy even busy doing good things that we don't take time I love that to be open-mouthed to to have wonder about God resurrection wonder about Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us we need rest so that God can refill us. He can refill what we've lost throughout the week uh, when we don't spend time with him. So the next question about rest is what is rest? I'm gonna start that question by answering the question what rest is not. Back to the Matthew Edlin quote, many of us are so busy we see rest as a weakness, a waste of precious time. But rest is in fact a biological need. All the science shows we need rest to live just like we need food. Rest is not a weakness. Rest is not a waste of precious time. Rest is not laziness. Sometimes we think people uh, who take a break or who take a day to rest We might think of them as lazy or weak, or not not able to get stuff done, uh, not strong enough, uh, when I would say in actuality, it's just the opposite. They're strong enough to know that they need to take a rest. They're strong enough to know that they need a time each week, I would say even each day, when they rest. So what is rest? Rest is a time where you stop. Rest is a time where you don't work. Now, that brings up the question, what is work? Now, work could mean different things to different people. I would say you find out what puts you in work mode. Now, for me and probably for many of us in here, I didn't even bring my phone up here. Having my phone out puts me in work mode. Sarah, just... Having, a, having my phone out puts me in work mode, I'm looking at emails, I'm checking Facebook, I'm texting, I end up in the endless abyss of the interwebs. I, I'm i not working, but I'm in work mode. I'm certainly not resting when I do that. My job now, I'm a, I'm a teller at a bank, I, I work at different banks, handling money, dealing with customers that come in. And so my job is sitting at a computer, counting money, talking to people. It's pretty much my job. Now, when I rest, to really rest, I don't need to be sitting at a computer. I don't need to be counting money because I've got stacks of it just hidden underneath my mattress. (laughs) I don't need... The most restful time for me is not being around people. Um, I've got a quote here from, where'd it go? Uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel said, a man who works with his hands will Sabbath with his mind. A man who works with his mind will Sabbath with his hands. So think about that. If you have a job where you're outside all day, when I was a teenager, I worked at a lumber yard and we called it slinging lumber. When you're outside all day slinging lumber and you rest, you don't want to go home and do physical labor. When I really rest, um, this uh, it, it's always sounded funny to me to say this, but I love mowing the yard. Um, I love getting out and putting some headphones in and just mowing the yard. It's very restful to me, it's rejuvenating to me. To a lot of people that might be rest, I mean that might be work, but to me I consider mowing the yard rest. Uh, so what is rest, what is taking a Sabbath? It's stopping, it's not working. Finding out what work is to you and don't do it. Here I do wanna say that, um I talked about it earlier, When we think about observing the Sabbath, we might think about going to church on Sunday. Know that just going to church isn't observing the Sabbath, so it's not resting only going to church. Yes, uh, going to church is a part of observing the Sabbath. It can be a part of resting, but that's not rest by itself. How do you rest? You know, we can do pretty much anything 24-7. Uh, if I'm hungry, I can go get something, pop it in the microwave and eat it. If I don't have anything in the house, I can run to Walmart, take it home, pop it in the microwave, eat it. If I wanted to buy a car at three o'clock in the morning, I could get online and I could buy a car. We can do anything, pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Rest doesn't just happen. Matthew Sleeth, an emergency room doctor in D.C., says rest does not just happen. You have to plan for it. So how do you rest? You have to plan for it. Josh talked about it last week about trusting God. You have to trust that when you plan for this rest, God is going to take care of things. When you... Let's make this really personal for me and Josh. We have to say when we plan rest... The church is going to be taken care of. God's going to take care of the church. When we, it's been a few couple months ago now, uh, the two of us were out of town on a Sunday night, and that was the, probably one of the least restful times uh, that we've had because it was the first time neither one of us has been here on a Sunday night. And of course, as far as we know, either everybody's lying to us or everything went swimmingly. Everything went well. Um, I'm hoping that that that's the case. Everything went well. I know everything went well. We, Josh and I, have to trust God that whether it's at church or whether it's during the week, like he was talking about earlier, we can't, I don't know, there's 60 or 70 people here in here tonight. We can't meet with all 60, 70 people that are here uh, this week or in the next month or in the next two months. We have to trust God that we do what we're supposed to do and we rest. And then God's going to do what he's supposed to do and take care of the church. You have to plan for rest. I would suggest getting out a calendar and maybe Sunday is a great day for you to rest. So you just mark off Sunday, say, that's going to be my day of rest. That's going to be my day to stop. That's going to be my day to not work. Maybe Sunday's not a good day for you to rest. When I think about a good day to rest, I can't find a good day to rest. I'm, I work at a bank five days a week. I'm here six or so hours on Sundays. Saturdays, uh, right now, not so much, but here in another month or two are going to be filled with Uh, at least three baseball games every Saturday. Evenings are filled with meetings or helping with homework or helping cook supper or helping clean Wait, no, I won't say helping clean up from supper. Evenings are always filled with, so then getting the boy, it feels like you get home from work, you have supper, and it's time to start putting the boys to bed. And then after I do that, the perfect time for me to take a rest every day, what do I do? I sit down in front of the TV, and I have what I'll call fake rest. I say, oh, I'm resting, I'm watching the newest season of Arrow on Netflix. Or, oh, there's something new on, uh, on Netflix. It, let's rest, Rachel, let's rest and watch 12 hours of a meaningless show and feel exhausted the next day because we rested for 12 hours the night before. Watching Netflix is not rest. Sitting there on Facebook on your phone is not rest. That's fake rest. Take a time, whether it's a day, you may not have a full day that you can have a rest, that you can have, have a Sabbath. Take, a, take four hours in a day and say, all right, these Four hours on Tuesday evening are going to be my Sabbath this week. And don't get out the remote and turn on Netflix. Don't get out your phone. In fact, turn your phone off. Get away from a TV. Take time to be quiet. Take time to do like Jesus uh, showed us in in some of the, the spiritual discipline scriptures I looked at earlier. Take time and pray. Take time and let God fill you. I like this quote about rest. No work and a nap are probably a good place to start, but Sabbath is so much more. Sabbath is a way of being in the world on days other than Sunday. Sabbath is margin and life and joy. Sabbath is soaking myself, or rather letting myself be soaked in the unmerited, unmeritable grace of God. One more question with rest, where is real rest found? See this talking about rest tonight and talking about the Sabbath tonight and last week and for the next three or four weeks, it's not just like the Sabbath isn't really about you, it's about God. Sabbath isn't even really the point those Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments, or uh, the end of the creation story uh, where God rested, that's not the point. We looked last week at the Sabbath and how the Sabbath in Exodus points back to creation, and the Sabbath, uh, and the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy points back to Exodus. Where it talks about the Sabbath in Deuteronomy, it talks about how the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And since they were slaves, they should remember the Sabbath. Since they were slaves, they should remember the rest. That should point you forward to the cross. Remembering that you were slaves. Um, in, In John chapter eight, verse 34, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Romans chapter six, verse six, says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. When we talk about Sabbath, when we talk about rest, true rest is found in Jesus. We were all slaves. We were all slaves to sin. Jesus came to free us from that sin, to give us rest. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And when we think about rest, it should point us to Jesus, and the rest that we can find in him. I wanna leave you with this part of this quote that I read earlier, Sabbath or rest is soaking myself or rather letting myself be soaked in the unmerited, unmeritable grace of God. This week, find time to rest and soak yourself or be soaked in that unmerited, unmeritable grace that Jesus offers us.